My face is melting. The goopy blob that was my forehead is slipping south, its molten heat softening everything in its path. I'm literally liquefying right here in the back parking lot of Shell's Bells. Okay, maybe not literally. That'd leave a pretty big mess, which is what I'm trying to avoid. That's why I'm still wearing this helmet when all I really want to do is rip off what's left of my head and chuck it in the dumpster I'm hiding behind. Soft as silk. How do you do it? A familiar voice crackles in my ear. I sit up straight, swipe one hand across the helmet's tinted face shield. My view's still fuzzy, so I flip up the plastic, rub my thumb over the damp interior, and lower it again. Through the small window, I watch the teenager lounging in the purple salon chair. He holds a gossip magazine in one hand and pets his hair with the other. Grins at the young woman who stands over him with a comb and scissors, then at his reflection in the mirrored wall. Raises his palm for a high five and gets one. A good troublemaker is an invisible troublemaker. That was the first thing Houdini, my math teacher, told me when he found me standing on a bench in baggage claim and waving both arms three days ago. Apparently, he missed his own memo. What do you think about upping the cool factor? Houdini asks. The cool factor, the stylist repeats, like with a blue streak, or a lightning bolt, or a blue lightning bolt. You mean, in your hair? Houdini laughs. The stylist laughs. I roll my eyes, settle back in my seat, and wonder why I'm surprised. After all, like most of my new teachers, Houdini's only a few years older than I am. He might have a grown-up job, but he's a kid, Kids break rules, even their own, I guess. Still, if I'd known he was going to get a makeover before doing what we'd come here to do, I would have asked to stay at the hotel, where there's air conditioning, a mini-fridge, bottomless buckets of ice. I'm considering dunking my head in the dirty snowbank next to the dumpster, ostrich-style, when the bell above the back door jingles. A woman walks out. She wears a white velvet coat with a black fur collar. Her blonde hair, newly done, forms a stiff half-moon around her head. She pinches a cell phone between her thumb and pointer finger. Against the parking lot's gray backdrop, her red nails glitter like rubies. Or maybe even apples. Perfect, shiny, powerful apples. For a split second, I picture the woman falling, her body slamming into the frozen pavement, her face twisting in pain, The image is so vivid I start to stand, to go toward her. But then I remember where I am, why we're here, and I stop. She's leaving, I hiss into the helmet's small microphone. I listen for a response. None comes. All I hear in the earpiece is muffled chit-chat and country music. The woman pauses by a shiny SUV. I tear my eyes away and scan the salon's windows. They're cloudy, but I can still see that Houdini's chair is empty. Target's on the move, I say, louder this time. Do you copy? I hear guitars strumming, fiddles plucking, ladies giggling. I glance back and hold my breath as the woman unlocks her car. My responsibility for this leg of the mission is not to let her out of my sight, even if that means leaving Houdini behind. So I slide forward. I take the silver handles in both hands and place one foot on the kickstart lever. I relax slightly when her cell phone rings, thinking I've won more time, 
But right after she answers it and gets in her car, the engine hums and brake lights illuminate.